0: Thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for making us glad. Thank you for bringing us peace and joy in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless this service. Get honor and glory to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. that there's a prayer concerns list in your bulletin you receive Thank you so much, Children's Choir, for leading us in worship today. The new pastor at the church decided to visit the children's Sunday school. And the teacher introduced him and said, Pastor, this morning we're studying Joshua. The new pastor said, that's wonderful. Let's see what you're learning. Who tore down the walls of Jericho? Little Billy was sitting in that Sunday school class and Shiley raised his hand and offered, Pastor, I didn't do it. <laughs> well, taken aback, the new pastor said, now, come on now. Who tore down the walls of Jericho? The teacher, interrupting, said, Pastor, Billy's a good boy. And if he says he didn't do it, I, I believe he didn't do it. <laughs> Fluster, the new pastor, went to the Sunday school director. And related what happened in the class, the director listened and was looking pretty worried and said, well, sir, we've had some problems with Billy before. Let me talk with him and see what we can do. Well, really bothered about all this by the answers of the teachers and the Sunday school director, the new pastor went to the deacons and he told the whole story about what had happened. And how things had played out, including the responses of the Sunday school teacher and also the Sunday school director. A white-haired gentleman was serving on that deacon board and he listened to the pastor and he thoughtfully stroked his chin and said this. Well, pastor, I move we just take the money from the general fund to pay for the walls and leave it at that. (laughs) Ignorance. Is certainly not bliss when it comes to the Word of God. It is so sad to see the biblical illiteracy that abounds in our world today. Even sadder is to see the biblical illiteracy that abounds in churches today. As Baptists, we're people of the book, right? We're people of the Bible. We believe the Bible. We preach the Bible. We teach the Bible. We stand upon the Bible. John Hammett, writing, said in Baptist life, the ministry of the word has been central early Baptists. They centered their worship on Bible exposition. Listen, often extending over several hours. He mentioned a Baptist worship dating back to 1609. And in 1609, those Baptists together for worship, it involved prayer, reading of scripture, And listen, an exposition of scripture, of a text, by as many as four or five speakers. How would you like that today? How would you like if I said, listen, folks, this is sermon one of five. There's four more people following me. Well, at least some would catch up on their sleep, right? I mean, it would be a good long nap. But why all this talk about the Bible? Why all this talk about preaching? Well, we're in a series of messages that we've called Church Matters. And in this series of messages, we're going back to the Word of God and we're seeing why we do what we're doing right now. Why we exist and and what we are as a church and what we're supposed to do. We're learning what God says about the church and how to do church. So many want to treat church like Burger King. They want to have it your way. But that's not the way church works. That's not what church is about. Church is about having it God's way. That's why we turn to the Bible. And so far, we've talked about in our series who the church belongs to. We've talked about what the church is. We've talked about why the church exists. And today we begin asking the question, what does it do? You know, there are so many good things that we could do. There's so many great things we could be involved in. But if we're not careful, we may end up doing a lot of things that God never intended for us to do. We may begin doing a lot of things that actually take away from what God has told us to primarily do. Now, we know the church exists to glorify God. We learned that together. But how does it do that? What are the basic functions of the church? We're going to take them one at a time, and we'll start with one of them today. And that is the function of preaching and teaching, or the ministry of the word. If you have Acts chapter 2, we go back to that passage here of the early church, and we'll begin reading at verse 40. The Bible says in Acts chapter two, verse 40, of many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about three thousand souls were added to them. Talk about church growth. Three thousand souls. Now watch verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking a a bread and prayers. Now, I want you to direct your attention to just the first eight words in verse 42. Just the first eight words. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. Notice this is something they continued in. It was not a passing fad. It was not a one time deal. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. That is the apostles teaching the apostles instruction. You see, our doctrine is what we believe and what we believe shapes so much, including how we behave. Now, if you want to know what a church believes, you take a look at its doctrinal statement, what it teaches, what it believes. We have copies of it back on the table in the lobby. We we believe and it's been outlined there in the Baptist faith and message. 2000. You know, when I'm talking to children about church membership and baptism, and we have to talk about what we believe. I ask them, have you ever had a, a book report? You ever done a book report? And a lot of them say, yeah, I've done a book report. And I said, well, that's kind of what a doctrinal statement is. Obviously, we're not, we're not just copying the entire Bible word for word. What, what we've done and what the, some very wise and, and godly people have done, they've taken and they've summarized and put together... Our core beliefs, what we believe. And they put all the references well, you can look it up yourself. And so we believe the Baptist faith in Message 2000. And so maybe you want to know, well, what does Red Hill Baptist Church believe about the Bible? You know, a lot of people don't believe the Bible today. A lot of people think it's, it's something we should just pitch out. It's, it's full of error. It's no good. It's just an old uh, bunch of fairy tales. Well, we don't believe that here. We believe the Bible. And so I put down there... Uh, our, our doctrinal statement. Would you find that? I want, to, I want to read it together today. I want you to read it with me out loud. This is taken from the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. This is what we believe about the Bible. I just, this is one of many that are outlined there. Would you read it with me aloud, noting the commas and periods? And we'll try to stay together on this. Are you ready to read? This is the Bible. We'll read all the way to the, to the period before two 2000. Okay? Baptist Faith and Message 2000. You ready to read? Let's do it together. The Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ who is himself the focus of divine revelation. Very good. Thank you for reading with me. What do we saying? We believe the Bible. Cover to cover. We believe it's the final authority for faith and practice. Now, where does our doctrine, where do our beliefs come from? They come from the Bible. They come from the Bible. Something just fell out of my Bible. But they come from the Bible. Now, why does it say there? We'll cover it in a minute. I want you to understand this. Doctrine is vitally... Important Doctrine is vitally important What we believe, what we teach Is vitally important Now why does it say the apostles doctrine Why does it say that What does it mean when it says they continued steadfastly In the apostles doctrine What well, was the apostles teaching What they were teaching the early church Their instruction What would the apostles be teaching They'd be teaching the Old Testament Because the New Testament was, was being written Right, it was going to be written So they'd be teaching the Old Testament They would also be teaching about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ as they walk with him and heard his teaching. They'd be teaching the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and all those resurrection proofs. Now, we have all of that teaching today where? We don't have to go out searching somewhere out on the Internet or Google or anything. We have it right here in our hands. We have it in the Word of God. The apostles doctrine now how important is Doctrine I've listed on your sermon guide Today a lot of references because I'm Going to fly through these and we don't Have time to turn and look everyone up But I want you to have them I want you To be able to look at them later I want You to listen how important is doctrine Listen to these scriptures first Timothy four six if you instruct the Brethren in these things you'll be a Good minister of Jesus Christ Nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine which you've carefully followed. 1 Timothy 4.13 Listen, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you'll both save yourself and those who hear you. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scriptures give my aspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, 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 doctrine over and over again. And where does it come from? It comes from the word of God. Everything that's taught here, everything that's preached here, is to be grounded in the Word of God. Our doctrine, our teaching, our preaching comes from the Bible. Now, when a minister stands here, maybe a guest speaker, when you stand in your Sunday school teacher and you're teaching a lesson, when a youth worker on Wednesday nights is is leading a Bible study in youth group, or a team kid coach on Wednesday nights, Whenever teaching or preaching goes on in this place, it's not to be man's ideas. It's not to be the world's philosophies. It's not man's opinions. It is to be the Word of God. Period. The Word of God. That's a good place to say amen right there. That was weak. Teaching doctrine. Did you realize it's even part of the Great Commission? The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's the next word? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He says, go and make disciples and teach them. By the way, you know what disciple means? It means A learner. You're a disciple, you're a learner, you're a follower. Now, when you go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, when it tells what the early church were doing, what they were continuing in, did you notice what came first? It says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It came first. It just makes sense, doesn't it? If you get doctrine wrong, you may get everything else wrong as well. Sad to say, some people are not interested in doctrine today. They're not interested in what God's word has to say. They don't want to hear truth. They want to hear only what they want to hear. They want to hear what makes them feel good. You know what? That's not new. Listen to the Bible. Second Timothy chapter four, verses two through four It says preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They'll not endure it. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they'll turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And so what he's saying is people, they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear God's word. Because, you know, God's word, it not only builds up, but it's a sharp sword, isn't it? And it corrects and it rebukes and it exhorts and it straightens things out. And people don't like that. I want to feel good. And I want to I want to just, just feel uplifted all the time. And so you can find teachers that will do that. You can find those who will do that. But I hope that's not our desire. I hope it's our desire to hear God's Word. Now, we know that doctrine, that the teaching, our beliefs are vitally important. So how do we, living in this age, how do we continue in the Apostles' Doctrine? Well, I think there are two primary ways I want to share with you today. First of all, we continue in the Apostles' Doctrine by proclaiming it. By proclaiming it. Now, how is doctrine proclaimed? Well, primarily through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. There are a lot of opportunities here at Red Hill for you to be taught God's word. Of course, we have Sunday school. We did that last hour. That involves a great majority of teaching God's word. We have Wednesday nights. We teach God's word. There are various Bible studies. The ladies just finished a a Beth Moore study on the book of James at Brotherhood. We always have a a, a time uh, from the word in WEM, I think they have a time, I'm sure, in the word of God in youth group, whatever it may be. God's word is being taught. Vacation Bible schools around the corner will have teaching from God's word. And then on Sundays, we have this thing called preaching. Now, I want to ask a question. I I don't want you to answer. We're going to go to God's word and answer it. I'm afraid what you may answer. (laughs) The question is this. Why preaching? Of everything that we could do, why do we devote so much time to the preaching of God's word? I mean, isn't preaching outdated? Isn't preaching antiquated? Isn't preaching simply a relic of the past, of the Gilded Age or the Victorian Age, where they would go in here preaching? I mean, come on! We're living in the digital age. We're used to 140 letter tweets. We're used to 30 second sound bites. We're used to visual everything. We live in a land of iPods and iPads and iPhones and i everything. Some of you are probably on Facebook right now. You say, oh, preacher, I'm just saying amen on your wall. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Preach it, brother. We live in a, a digital age. We live in a day of technology. So why would we give the majority of the service to some guy in a suit and tie who takes an old book that's bound in leather and let him talk for 30 minutes or, or 40 minutes or, or 25 if we're lucky? We, we don't even have at Red Hill those big jumbo screens. All we get is a half sheet of paper and a golf pencil. I mean, come on. Some would say, some say it's kind of like us uh, still using the Pony Express today. Can you imagine that? Like we're in the 1800s. Rather than using the, the modern things, we use the Pony Express. Why not fill the majority of our time with some, some, some awesome praise and worship music? I mean, like 55 minutes of just we just, we just praising God. And then I get up and say, well, let's just look at this one verse. Bless you, have a wonderful week. Uh, why not show videos and, and have live drama every week? I mean, every week you come and we've got it just decked out. and We just do drama and you're just amazed. Why not even bring in some praise dancers and they, they just come dancing down there. Maybe I'll join them and dance a little bit. We'll just, we'll just dance around here. Why not do that? Why not bring in Christian comedians every Sunday? Surely that will pack the place out. We'll laugh. Why not have Nets Stilpinski come every week? That's better than what we're doing, right? At least we'd be entertained. Why not anything but preaching? Why not anything but another sermon? Why preaching? Because God ordained it. God ordained it. For yesteryear... For today, for next year, and on. Let me give you several verses. I've got the references there. Matthew 3.1 In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Matthew 4.17 From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Acts chapter 5, verse 42, and daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Acts chapter 8, verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning this, at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Acts chapter 9, verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to him how he'd seen the Lord on the road, that he'd spoken to him, how He preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify this is he who ordained to God to be judge of the living and the dead. Romans chapter 1, verse 15. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to those in Rome also. Let me stop. No, let's don't stop. Romans 10, 13 through 15. For whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not learned? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless there is sin? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. First Corinthians 1.21 For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. First Corinthians two four. in my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. First Corinthians nine sixteen for I pre- if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Second Corinthians four five. Are you noticing a theme? Second Corinthians 4-5. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Galatians 1-8. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2. Preach the word! Be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. Titus 1 3, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. 1 Peter 1:25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And we can go on. Preach, preach, preach. Preach the word of God, not my ideas, not your ideas. God's work. We continue in the apostles doctrine by proclaiming it through preaching and teaching. That's why we have this thing called preaching. That's why we bring our Bibles and we look at God's word together. But it doesn't stop there. There's another way in which we continue the apostles doctrine. See, it's not enough just to know it. We have to obey it. You see, we continue in the apostles doctrine by practicing it. By practicing it. Proclaiming it, yes, but practicing it. In other words, we don't stop it proclaiming. We practice it. We don't just know it. We obey the word of God. See, the Bible is given not just for information, not just saying, say, oh, I I know all kinds of Bible knowledge. It's given for our transformation. If it wasn't so sad, it'd be laughable. Some are trying today to make the word of God relevant. They say, oh, we're going to make God's word relevant. Listen, we don't have to make God's word relevant. It's already relevant. It's the most relevant thing in the world. You see, good doctrinal preaching, preaching that's lifted and comes from God's word, is practical. It meets us where we live. See, I don't have to make up stuff on Sundays to give to you guys. I don't sit around saying, oh, what can I say this week that would just, whoo, what I don't have to go to the Reader's Digest and and see if I can find a really cool story or or Google stuff or or hunt for a video or whatever. Listen, I go to God's Word. And I I teach you God's Word. And I explain to you how does this apply to your life. Let me show you just how practical it is. I'm going to ask you to turn. Actually, you don't have to turn even. I, I printed it on there for you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Good doctrinal preaching is practical. It meets where we live. Let me show you how this works. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. You may have heard this before. It's not original. But it is so amazing. Listen, look at what it says. All scriptures give my inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. When I was memorizing that as, as a younger person, I used to think of it this way. Dr. C.I. It's profitable for Dr. C. I doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness, a little way to help you remember that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I want you to notice what's listed there. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and righteousness. Doctrine. It shows us what is right. What is right? And so we go to God's word. And God shows us through his word that truth is right. Telling the truth is right. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. It shows us what is right. So we go and we see this is right. This is the way we're supposed to live. This is what we're supposed to do. Doctrine shows what is right. Now, reproof shows us what is not right. What is not right. And so I come to God's word and, and maybe I'm not giving to the Lord's work. And so I come and I, and I read about the times and offerings and giving towards the poor and all those sorts of things. And, and I begin to get convicted and I say, you know what, my life's not right in that. Or, or maybe it's that idea of telling the truth and, and all I do is lie all the time. And so I'm reproved by God's word. God's word says thou shalt tell the truth. I'm not telling the truth. I'm reproved by God's word. But then there's something else. There's correction and instruction that shows us how to get right. That's the glorious thing. God doesn't leave us wallowing in our sin and self-pity and, and those things. When he, when he shows us what is not right, He tells us how to get right. He shows us how to correct it, to repent, to turn from our wickedness. And so correction and instruction shows us how to get right. And that's part of listening to preaching. It's not just an exercise. It's not just a lecture like you're in college somewhere. You, you come and you allow God to work in your heart and life. And you, you see what is right. You see what is not right. You see how to get right. Then there's something else that is righteousness. And that shows us how to stay right. How to stay right. How to keep on doing what is right. And how much more practical can you get? How much more relevant can you get than that? And all that's found where? In the Word of God. In the Word of God. Doctrine is vitally important. Preaching is vitally important. Why preaching? Because God ordained it. Now, I'm not into embarrassing people. I'm really not. We're careful about how we do things. Even, even welcoming guests. We, you know, I've been to churches. I mean, We went as a guest one time, I think. Did we, honey? And... If you're a guest today, stand up and introduce yourself. I thought, what in the world? I'm a preacher and I want to stand up and introduce myself. Hello, everybody. We're glad to be here. You're blessed. Anyway, uh, we're very careful about that. We will give you a welcome packet. And all we ask, you just kind of point at the guy. It goes by and he'll give you something. We're not embarrassing people. I'm not embarrassing you, but I want to ask you a question, everybody here. You ready? Did you bring your Bible with you today to church? Now, if you did, don't gloat. Don't say, I brought my Bible.
1: <laughs>
0: no, don't do that. If you didn't, don't choke. Don't say, oh, anybody. Grab one out of you real quick. <clears throat> no, don't do that. If I want to say something, I want you to hear me. You need to bring your Bible with you to church. If you've been at church any amount of time, now, if you just here for the first time, it's fine. But we pretty much do things pretty regularly. And one of the things we pretty much do every Sunday is we take the Bible and we open the Bible and we read the Bible and I preach from the Bible. And when I preach, you need to have God's word in front of you. Now, I know today it was hard to keep up because I've gone about a thousand miles an hour, but I gave you the references and we start in Acts chapter two. After today, i to feel like those guys who played softball yesterday for Red Hill. I feel like Daniel. I pitched about four games. I feel like I pitched about four games up here today. But listen, you need to have God's Word in front of you. because usually, usually, And by the way, this series is a little bit different, isn't it? I usually take a passage and we work through a life of a saint or a book or whatever. And you kind of know where we're going. But we're going to take a passage and we're going to expound God's Word. And so you need to follow along. You need to look at it. If you're comfortable, mark up your Bible. Make notes. Have God's Word in front of you. If you do nothing else, bring your Bible next week. Bring your Bible with you. I want to give you some help, and we're done. I want to help you to get more out of the sermons each week. And this is whether I'm preaching or somebody else is preaching. You go somewhere else, to church. Maybe you're visiting today. I want to give you just some practical things real quick, and then we're done. First thing you can do is just look at the Bible passage and read along as the preacher's reading. That will help you. As you see God's word for yourself, you need to check out the preacher. You need to be good Bereans. Remember the Bereans of the Bible? They went and searched out the scriptures to see if these things were so. You need to make sure that whoever it is you're listening to is grounding that message in God's word, not his own ideas, not his own philosophies, not in feel good, touchy feely, groovy, groovy stuff. I mean, I mean, God's word. Secondly, listen to the message. You say, well, duh. You know, i got a book on my shelf at home. It's a classic work. I think Adler wrote it it, called How to Read a Book. I have a book on my shelf at home. It says How to Read a Book. So I'm kind of telling you, how do you listen to a sermon? So I've been listening to sermons all my life. I've been listening to sermons for you, a born, preacher. Listening, really listening is hard work. You know why? There's a lot of distractions. I mean, you've got a lot of things to do today. Some of you think about, well, I wish you'd be quiet. I'm going to the restaurant today. I, I bought barbecue yesterday at the barbecue. I'm going to eat that for lunch. I'm going to the restaurant. I'm doing this, that. I've got to get over this afternoon at 3 for uh, that uh, derby thing. I hope I don't get spray paint on my clothes. I hope the kids will listen. I've got to whoop them after today's service. They misbehaved. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Um... <laughs> you got all this stuff just going in your mind. So you've got to listen. Plug in. Tune in. Here's another helpful thing. Make some notes. Make some notes. Jot something down. So it helps you. It reinforces what you're learning. Follow along. Follow along. Here's something important. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the message. Pray when you come into church. Pray before you get to church. Pray during the message. Pray that God will speak to your heart. A lot of us come and we want to be entertained. We want to hope somebody else gets help. Listen, you come in here and you say, God, speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. And on top of that, we talked about proclaiming, but we also talked about practicing. Pray and submit to the spirit's working in your life. If You come in here and you're approved about something. Get right about it. If you need to correct something, allow God to correct it. Here's something else that's very helpful. Talk about the messages. Now, a lot of people talk about preachers. Talk about God's word. Talk about the messages. I like to ask our boys when they come home on either Wednesday nights or after Sunday school or whatever. What you all learn today? And you say, well, the preacher's checking up on the teachers. I want to know what they're learning. I want to know what they have learned from God's word that day. I know this past Wednesday night in Gideon's team kid class, they talked about worship. What worship is and how we worship. They wrote a letter to God from the scripture where they filled it in. Worship. Talk about the message. And then put into practice what you're learning week by week. We we try to apply God's word and we give you things to do. You know, we gave you a little question to use the other week. It was simply this. Is this about my glory or God's glory? That, that's a question you can use. Share it with a friend or coworker. You say, well, how do I talk to my friends about Christ? Hey, listen, yesterday at church, our preacher was talking about preaching. You ever think about why they have preaching? Friend said, no. Did you know John the Baptist started out? He was preaching and, and Jesus was a preacher. And God said they were to preach the gospel you know what the gospel is? What did I just do? Transition very quickly to sharing Jesus. Talk about the truth. Be an active listener, not a pastor. Let me just tell you, if you come in here expecting to be bored and leave with nothing from today's message, guess what? You're probably going to leave bored and getting nothing from the message. If you come in excited and expecting to hear from God's word. And by the way, it upsets me. I'm just going to be honest with you. It upsets me if a man stands here and doesn't preach God's word. They won't be invited back by me. This time's about God's word and preaching God's word. Come prayed up, come excited, come expecting to hear God's word. You'll be amazed how much more you'll get out of God's word. Now, if you've been in church for any number of years, do you realize how many sermons you've heard? You say, I try to forget. Now, think about it a minute. You know how many sermons you've heard? Let's say you make it 45 Sundays. You've been doing that for 20 years. I'm no mathematician. I'll let you do the math. But you've heard of a heap of sermons. I understand a churchgoer wrote a letter to the editor of a newspaper. And he complained that it made no sense to go to church every Sunday. Here's what he said. I've gone for 30 years now. And in that time, I've heard something like 3,000 sermons. But for the life of me, I can't remember a single one of them. So I think I'm wasting my time and the pastors are wasting theirs by giving sermons at all. Well, much to the pleasure and delight of the editor, this started a real controversy of letters to the editor. And people were responding to this fella who was saying preaching's worthless, basically. And it went on for weeks. You know, people follow those things. Maybe you follow them in the newspapers. Let do the editor. And it went on until somebody wrote this clincher, and I want to give it to you today. I've been married for 30 years now. In that time, my wife has cooked some 32,000 meals. But for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu for a single one of those meals. But I do know this. They all nourished me and gave me strength. I needed to do my work. If my wife had not given me these meals, I would be physically dead today. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. Beloved, doctrine and preaching are vital. They're not side items. They're not something we tack on if we have time. They're vital. The early church continued in the apostles' doctrine, their teaching. And we have all of that here in this book, the Bible. And we're to proclaim it. We're to practice it. Now, be honest as we close today. What is your attitude about preaching? Preaching. What is your attitude when it comes to doctrine and preaching? Is it something that you like to talk about you endure? You say, man, if I could make it out of here. Or is it a delight? You know, when a man of God really does take the Bible, or your Sunday school teacher, whoever it is, they really do take the Bible and teach you the Bible. Do you delight in that? Do you say, Spirit of God, speak to my heart, mold me, change me, correct me? I'll repent where you say repent. I'll change where you say change. I want to know your word. In other words, do your thoughts line up with God's thoughts on this? Uh, Do you line up with God's word on this? Do you see how important preaching is? Is it important to you? Or is it something you say, well, I could take or leave it. I like the singing. I like to see the kids sing. I like to hear the instruments. I like the fellowship of this whole preaching thing. And I could just leave it. Then you don't line up with God. Because we've seen over and over again. He ordained preaching. You've heard God's word today. Now here's the question. What does God want you to do with it? What does God want you to do with what you've heard today? Will you submit? Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing me the privilege To preach your word. Father, I pray that in this pulpit. Only your word would go forth. Not man's philosophies, not the world's philosophies, but the pure word of God. I pray your Holy Spirit now to work. Thank you for those who have listened to your word. Lord, I pray if anybody here today does not know you. As we've mentioned the gospel, they would come to know you even this hour. I pray for Christians who have maybe been very flippant in their attitude toward the Bible and doctrine and preaching. That they would see how vital these things are and how vital they are to their life. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Our closing hymns, 294 today. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. The altar is open to be saved today. Did you come? Did you come pray today? Did you come? Do business. We said the Bible says what is right, what is wrong. How to give right, not stay right. What you give right today please? 294. Can Have that only way. 294.